Good evening, my name is Keith, and I'm a pastor here at uh, Providencia, and we just want to welcome you all. Uh, tonight's scripture is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and you can follow along with the Bibles in your pew or up here on the screen. Uh, this is from the NIV, starting in verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This ends the reading of the word of the Lord. Um, last week, we read from the same book from Ephesians, or the same letter from chapter 2, and uh, part of the huge emphasis there was that you had these two groups of people, uh, Gentiles and Jews, and they were divided uh, by birth, divided by religion. And, and Jesus says this, or Paul says this crazy thing about Jesus, that he was doing this work in his own body that he was making a new humanity, one humanity. And that's back in Ephesians chapter 2, and just encourage you to continue to like, just kind of like sit with that. Like what is the mystery and the realities of that text? But that somehow, some way, he's created this new humanity out of these two groups of people that were divided and that there was barriers between them and that there was war between them and that somehow he's created this, this, this peace and this new humanity uh, through them. And if you kind of read the entire book of Ephesians um, up to the chapter we're in tonight, uh, he's essentially, Paul is focusing on this incredible story of redemption that has happened. That people have been kind of bought from a slavery and they've been set free. But the first three chapters is celebrating the fact that these people have been bought and that they've been set free. And when we get to this chapter, chapter four, his emphasis is going to shift to now what? You've been set free, so now what? Like what's, what's going to happen now? In um, our house uh, this week, it's been musical week, and uh, that means that we rented Mary Poppins, like the new one, uh, at the beginning of the week, and because of how many people are in our house, we've watched it now probably like three or four times, and I don't know why, but like I liked musicals as a kid a little bit, but some of them freaked me out, but Mary Poppins was like the one that had the magic for me. Uh, Mary Poppins was the one that I was like, yes. Especially Bert, if you remember Bert, he was like the chimney sweep guy. Favorite scene at night when they're doing the chimney sweeps, you know, chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim sheree. Uh, just something about like rooftops at night, you know, there's magical things that happen there. And, and so that was like my favorite uh, part. Uh, second would be uh, the laughing scene when they're in the room and the old guy in there and they start laughing. And as a kid, I was like, what is happening in that? You know, as an adult, I'm still asking that question um, probably even more now. But there was something magical about that. But funny enough that um, those were not the heartbeat song of Mary Poppins. 
We're talking about the original film, not the new one, but the original film. The, the heartbeat song of the original Mary Poppins was feed the pets, feed the pets, right? That was the worst song to me as a kid. It was the most, the gloomy bird lady, the freaky, scary bird lady. It was like the fog of England. Like it was the worst like part of the whole film for me as a kid. But it was the heartbeat of the film. The birds, you know, Toppins, like feeding the birds, the whole message of the film was that the, the Banks kids were these needy birds that didn't just need to be provided for, but they needed the attention of their parents, that they needed to be cared for, that they needed uh, to be loved. And I don't, I don't know when the last time you, you heard the song, but you may have missed these lyrics. But these, these are the, the last two uh, stanzas. All around the cathedral, the saints and apostles look down as she sells her wares. Although you can't see it, you know they are smiling each time someone shows that he cares. Though her words are simple and few, listen, listen, she's calling to you. Feed the birds. Toppence a bag, toppence, toppence, toppence a bag. And when the Sherman brothers were, were writing um, the music for Mary Poppins, on Fridays they would hang out in Walt's office at the, kind of the end of the work week. And he would always ask them to play that song. And you just imagine you know, Walt as an adult kind of looking out his window hearing this, this song, and it would bring him to tears, they said. And a man who gave so much to creating so much magic for, for so many kids. But I wonder what that, that struck in him. You know, either his own neglect maybe of his own children or, or neglect that he experienced maybe in his life. And Paul here, as we, as we shift to Paul, Paul is, is this man who's become a leader. And there's this movement happening. These, these communities are starting to, to uh, crop up in these cities across, the, 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 across uh, you know, the Middle East and, and up into to Europe and the southern part of Europe and the Mediterranean area, and these communities are forming, and, and people who are very different than each other are coming together, and they're, they're finding this new home, and they're finding this new unity, and they're tasting something that's stirring something in them, and they're experiencing life in a whole new way. And Paul is saying to them, there's been this incredible incredible redemptive thing that's happened, this incredible new community, new family that you have found, and feed the birds. Feed the birds. He says, as a prisoner, I, he is in prison when he writes it, as a prisoner, here are my words to you, live a life worthy of the call. Live a life worthy of the redemption Live a life worthy of the gift that you've been given now, of this community you've been given. The word uh, the, or the phrase to live in the Greek actually is to walk. So walk in a way worthy of the gift. Walk in a way worthy of the gift. 
You have been made rich. You are royalty. Slow down. Walk the path. Feed the birds. Feed the people. I want to run. Paul is saying, walk. Walk. And how do we walk? In verse 2, he says, walk humbly. Humbly. In humility. Knowing that you are both dust and glory. Like Adam, his name, meaning that he came from the dust, but he has also been breathed, the life of God has been breathed into him, and he has become fully alive, that he is royalty, that he is rich. And then in verse 2, he goes on, be gentle, be oh so gentle. And the question I would have for you tonight is who in your life is gentle with you? Now, for, for women, maybe that's an easier question. Maybe you have some people. But specifically for men, who is gentle to you in your life? And when you think of God, do you think of God being gentle with you? See, Paul is saying, like, you've been given this gift by this God, and now he's wanting you to become like him, and then he's telling you this is how you become like him. You're humble and, and you're gentle. So if you're like me and you, you may struggle sometimes thinking that God is, like, angry and violent, you may not be dealing with God. You may be dealing with kind of like a demon from your past. A memory from your past, trauma from your past. That's been part of my story, is learning that this God is very gentle, but that I still carry trauma that makes me think he's not sometimes. And then patient. Be oh so patient. Is there anyone in your life that is patient with you? You know, just, just in my family, uh, when we try to leave and go somewhere, getting everybody in the van, it's like I'm always sitting there going, oh, my God, please leave the house. Please, you know, and it's like, oh, I mean, it's just like, it's like there's like pain, you know, just like can we please all get in the van at the same time together? And, and, and that, that word patience means like long-suffering, who is patient with you? Who's patient with you? And he says, bear with one another in love. And to bear with means, another, another word for that is, is to hold each other up, to endure with, to suffer with, or to walk with each other in love. So if you can imagine that Paul is inviting us to walk, a path, he's inviting us to walk together, and he's saying to bear with one another in love that some of us are going to get tired at different times along the way, but that we can come along each, inside each other and kind of lift each other up, to hold each other up, to just keep walking. 
down the path. And I've seen that to be true in, in my life and in this church, that people have come alongside of me when I can just barely take another step. And some of you have given me that honor and privilege to do the same thing with you so that we can keep walking together. It's interesting, um, you know, the story that, that I immediately think of when I think of walking in the Bible, it's actually the, the liturgy uh, for the calendar in the church calendar today. It's the scripture that would be read in, in, in Catholic churches, Anglican churches, many of the churches around the world today. And that was a story of the Good Samaritan, which is a story about walking, right? That Jesus tells to, to his followers and to a group of Jewish people. And, and the story goes like this, you know, that this, this man was thrown into a ditch and he was Jewish and he had been robbed and he, he had been, um, you know, hurt and he was basically dying in the ditch. And all these people walked by him, good upstanding uh, Jewish citizens, <laughs> even religious folk, right? Like a, a pastor, a rabbi walks by, but on the other side of the road. And then Jesus says that the good Samaritan. This Gentile, this outsider, this person, they, they were not supposed to be friends. He was the one who came along and cared for the man in the ditch. And Paul goes on to say in verse 3, Make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Keith, what does that have to do with the story about the Good Samaritan? Uh, typically, when I have read that verse, make every uh, effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, I have read that in a kind of after-the-fact deal. So, so me and Jillian are, are friends, and then something happens, and, and um, I hurt Jillian, and we get in this fight. Jillian's sitting here on the front row. And, and, and we get in this fight, and then I read that verse, and I'm like, okay, i got to make every effort now to make things better. So it's always like a re, I read it as a reactive verse, kind of after the fact that I need to go and make peace. And that's, there, there's, there's obviously truth in that. But... But what I want to kind of draw our attention to tonight, and I think what Paul is also saying, is it's not a reactive thing to do after the fact, but it's a proactive thing to do now. It's, it's living your life in such a way that you are creating more unity, that you're creating more peace. It is a proactive thing. It, just in my neighborhood, um, we have uh, people who I know are scared because there are raids happening in South Florida right now with immigration issues and things like that that are going on here. It's one thing for me to learn about those uh, raids and then kind of go out and try to uh, bring peace to my neighborhood after the fact. It's another thing, though, if I have been proactive about getting to know my neighbors, about loving my neighbors, about creating peace with my neighbors, that now that those things are happening, that not only can I offer peace, but that I can be a source of peace in my neighborhood. 
So if, you, if it's all about waiting to after the fact, then it, it, it's always a little bit too late, it feels like. So this is something that we have to be proactive about. And, and Paul, when he's talking about that, he takes us back. It's referencing back to chapter 2 when he's talking about creating peace between Jews and Gentiles, between these different groups of people. So I've always thought it was like just between me and Jillian that there was something, you know, this personal, this individual thing because I'm American. Um, But Paul is talking about it at a much bigger people group perspective here. I don't know if I need to make the applications. I think you can make them on your own about people groups that we need to be, that you need to be, that we as a community need to be investing proactively to build bonds. <laughs> because typically in this country for the last 100 years or so, the bonds and the peace that the church have been making have just been with other churches, maybe. We have got to go outside of that to the city, to the community, to build these bonds of peace. To create these rhythms in our life that we are walking with the people who are lying there and that we can see them in the streets, lying in the ditch. That's our calling. That's this unique thing that God has called us to, that he's given you this gift, that he has bathed you in his love, that he wants you to swim in his love. He wants you to to swim in this love, to embrace it for yourself, to know it, that you can give it away to the man in the ditch. That he calls you and I to that work. Yesterday, uh, Sarah Claire and I had this honor of doing a a men's retreat um, here in West Palm Beach, and um, not going to lie, it uh, was exhausting, and, you know, we we do story group retreats here in our church, and I know many of you have been to those, and before you come to those, we do an orientation. Uh, We meet with you one-on-one. Uh, to kind of prepare you for that time and to kind of create a connection between you. And, and, and this, uh, this retreat or this workshop we did for the men that were there, a, a lot of them, we, we knew some of them, but a lot of them were uh, people I had never met before. And we were trying to create space for men that were in many ways strangers um, for them to be able to be vulnerable and talk about what it means to be a man. And you can imagine, like, you know, some ways, like, just kind of how those conversations went because you have so many people with so many different views from our city about what does it mean to be a man. I mean, different religious backgrounds, different philosophical backgrounds, different ages, different cultures, you know, and and people at at some level, you know, kind of starting to philosophize about, well, I think being a man means this and being a man means this and being a man means this. And and I was like, oh, my God, how are we going to bring this together? And and so I I just wanted to offer these men something. And I wanted to offer it to myself. And the only person I excluded was Sarah Claire. Um, But I said, listen, 
I just want you guys to know that if you are here today, I consider you a man. You may not feel like a man. You may not think you're acting like a man, but you are a man. And one of the follow-up questions was, you know, well, if there was a 13-year-old here, would you consider him a man? And I was like, yes. If my son was here, I would consider him a man. A young man, but I would consider him a man. I just wanted to offer them this gift that I saw all of them as men. And then I said, you don't have to prove it here. So Sarah Claire and I are facilitating the group, and I think Sarah Claire maybe nodded her head, like, but I know that uh, the other guy who kind of brought the whole thing together said, did you hear what he just said? That was big, you know? So as soon as I got done saying that, guess what the next question or the next conversation was about? Somebody started talking about, like, you know, trying to prove their manhood. They, they wanted to talk about, you know, what did they need to do to be a man? And kind of the endless chase of trying to be a man and just going and going and going. And I'm trying to offer this gift. I'm trying to say, no, 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 you don't have to, like, do that anymore. You're just a man. It's just like, a, it's a fact. Nobody can take it from you. You just are a man. You don't have to prove anything. It's a, free, it's a freebie. But if, if no one has ever given you things like that, it's kind of hard to receive sometimes. If you've always grown up thinking that you have to prove yourself or that you have to um, earn it, it's, it's not always so easy to receive. I don't know if you guys knew that, you know, Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, was 7-Eleven Day? Wasn't it Tuesday? Was it Tuesday? Free Slurpees at 7-Eleven. Did anybody get one? Did anybody here besides me and JD go get a free Slurpee at 7-Eleven? I saw that hand, Taylor. You guys went together? All right. So JD and I went to the 7-Eleven down Forest Hill by our house. We walked in. We said, well, which, which ones are the free ones? The lady points. We fill up our Slurpees. And then we kind of like, are we supposed to like check out? No, no, the lady just waves like they're free. Just keep going. And we're like, we, we, isn't, there, there's some, isn't there supposed to be some kind of transaction here? Like something? No, you're just free. We just walked out, enjoyed our Slurpees, and, and we both got outside and we were like, that was weird. That was so weird. I'm so used to like transactions and like, you know, you have to pay for it or you have to earn it or whatever, but it's just like free gift. It messes with you. It kind of like, you know, like, whoa, what's happening? And Paul ends, you know, this, this little section of scripture that we're reading here tonight and he's like, this thing that we share is this one faith, this one baptism one God and Father of all. One baptism, I'm sorry, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And when you go back and you look at faith, a lot of times in church when, I, when you talk to people about faith, the thing that, that people say is, you know, you, you have to believe. 
And, and you, you, you know, they'll say somebody has like a strong faith. And it's like something that they created, you know. And, and the thing that Paul says is that faith is a gift. He's just going to give it to you. It's, it's a gift. It's free. And it's not based on your ability to hold it or, or, or to reject it or whatever. It's just this gift, this free gift. And then he says one baptism, which is baptism is all about inclusion. You baptize into this family. This family of what? This family of love. This family where you don't have to prove yourself anymore. You, you know, we have a church full of creatives. It's okay if you're not creative anymore. It'd be okay if you were a musician and you just didn't release another album. That'd be okay. You are loved not because of what you're creating or producing, but because you are in the family. Because you're a human being. So this gift, faith, this baptism into the family, this inclusion. And then he talks about the love. He says this God who's our father. And, and Paul adds these lines that are like, what? He says, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And all the Richard War fans in here are going, yeah. He's a, he's a writer. And, and, they're, yeah, like, yeah. And, and it's like, what are you saying, Paul? That God is the father of all? That he is loving to all? That, that God is in all things? That he's all around us? If you listen to some of the songs we sing here, they're saying some really crazy things, some really beautiful things. God is here. Are we here? Are we present? Or have we left the building? To take the risk to be a part of community of one faith, of one baptism, of one God, means you really don't have to hide anymore. And that is risky business. But it is where life is. It is where life is. And I'm telling you that yesterday uh, with Sarah Claire and, and a couple other facilitators, we were offering that to our city, and, and it was a beautiful thing. It was a lot of work, but it was a beautiful thing. And I see, uh, like, on Instagram, community that you guys are forming and, like, like things that are happening where you're offering life to people and, 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 like, new life is being born and people are being loved and cared for and they're going, oh, maybe I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to earn to be a part of this. That it's a gift that it's a gift. One God and Father in all, of all. And for me, I've been thinking a lot about imagination and, and you know, especially with Mary Poppins, 
Um, and uh, and today we when we were watching the 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 first Mary Pop or the second Mary Poppins, there's a bathtub scene. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but the kids are, you know, Mary Poppins shows up and it's not just a normal bath. It's a bathtub that leads to the ocean. And it's not just any ocean, it's a magical ocean. And so we watched just a little bit of it. And, um, and then I paused the movie and, and Harper said, wait, dad, was that real? Like, did they really go there? Harper's like 13, you know, I'm like, Harper? Like, uh, uh, but, but. I said, I said, well, was it? That's a great question, actually. Was it real? And I said, what if we play a game right now? Let's just imagine right here, right now. And so all of a sudden in my head, we are in the bottom of like a huge tanker vessel at sea in our den. If you've been in our den, it looks exactly like that. And uh, so I, and I said, we're, we're off the coast of China and we're getting ready to make landfall. We're going to pull into port in China. And I started trying to do like some Chinese jingles. And, and I started like kind of creating like what was going to, what Maddie was going to do and what Kyla was going to do and what everybody was going to do. And everybody like started getting into it. And then everybody had a chance to take control of the ship and take us somewhere else. And for like an hour, this little magic world happened with our imagination. And Paul is inviting us to imagine a world that you may not be tasting fully yet. But the thing that I told my kids is what's incredible is that imagination is where it starts, that that's the things that actually become real, that these things we imagine can actually become real. So as we've listened to, to this invitation from Paul to live in love, to walk together, it may be hard in your life. You're going like, dude, this, I, don't feel, I don't see, like, but can you imagine it?